The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome to Unfiltered Podcast. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse, you are in the right place. Our mission is to help you understand the abuse you have experienced, support you through your healing journey, and to help you develop healthy relationships. I am your host, Juliana Aiken, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Lua Weatherdon. Lua Weatherdon is a licensed clinical social worker with the Oregon Board of Licensed Social Workers. She has over 15 years of experience working in mental health in a variety of settings such as domestic and sexual violence, residential treatment centers, home-based services, crisis intervention and stabilization, outpatient treatment and schools. Lua is passionate about working with adults, children, adolescents and families to address trauma and abuse, difficulties adjusting to major life changes depression, anxiety, and also people struggling with a lack of balance or peace in their life. In this episode, Lua helps us identify the core beliefs that influence our daily lives, interactions, and relationships. She will guide us through a practice that allows us to recognize and soothe our negative core beliefs. This process will help us gradually overcome these beliefs and heal from our pain. Let's get started. Before we start, I actually just want to do a quick, what I call a call in of all the things that have influenced me in my life, because none of what I'm going to say is really an original (laughs) Lua thought. And so I think it's important to recognize those who have come before us, right, to help in our own growth. Um, So just some of the big impactors of my life have been EMDR, um, uh, ego state therapy, uh, somatic therapy. IFS or internal family systems, in addition to Strozzi and um, teachings and principles from the Baha'i teachings. So just wanted to call all of that in. And then I'm really wanting to have this be an offering to the greater community that what they hear today may or may not be helpful, right? And And that one of the things that gets lost in dysfunctional interactions or we can't say trauma or all of that is this sense of like, I have a right to decide what is helpful or not helpful. I have a right to decide what is truth or not truth, right? So again, kind of inviting people to see with their own eyes, not through the eyes of Lua or another and to hear with their own ears and what lands and resonates beautiful. If it doesn't land, you know, I, I humbly state I am human and will likely, very likely make mistakes or say things that are not helpful and, and just to practice kind of patience and, and letting go what is said today that is not helpful for any individual. So mm, yeah, that's my disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. A very, a very import, important disclaimer as well. Thank you for that. So today we are going to explore core beliefs. Isn't that right, Lua? And how would you want to start our topic today? Yeah, I thought it might be neat to start with a practice. So it would be from kind of the somatic uh, tradition of really engaging both, um, right, our thoughts and our feelings, but also a body movement, right? Because that oftentimes can help us see things that are underneath our sight, right? Sometimes we think all these things, but 
when we really go into the body, we can get more information. So with this idea of core beliefs, I thought we could start with a practice to kind of start giving us a sense of what some of our core beliefs might be. Does that sound? Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect, yeah. Okay, well then I want to invite everyone who is interested, again, there's no obligation or force here uh, to do what is called a centering practice. And this practice can be done laying down, seated, or standing. So I'm actually gonna move into a position of standing, but I want folks to really access whatever feels best for them at this moment, right? Um, but I'm at this moment gonna just move and then I'll coach us through it. So the first thing we're gonna do is just really begin to breathe into our bellies. And you could even put a hand there if you like, but you don't have to. Throughout the practice, I actually encourage you to keep your eyes open as this is a practice of maintaining presence and not disconnection or going inward. So just kind of breathe into the belly and notice if that feels comfortable or if that brings in any distress. We're going to expand into a number of different directions, just creating space to hold all that is, not asking for anything to go away. And in that, I want you to have a curious mind. So if you notice yourself begin to get very distracted, maybe think about your grocery list, or you feel yourself go a little bit numb or feel tension or discomfort, just notice that with curiosity. At any point during the practice, you can stop. So again, continuing to breathe deeply, the first direction we're gonna notice is our length. So start with noticing whether you're seated or standing, your feet on the floor grounded, rooted to the earth, then coming up through the legs, torso, really expand into your full length. We are all created noble, right? Every atom in existence is imbued with worth. So our length is that dignity, that nobility. So just notice as you move into full length, does that feel comfortable, uncomfortable, soothing or not? Good, so keeping that length, now we're gonna notice width. So if you're standing up, you could even rock side to side, or if you're seated, you could even stretch your arms out if that feels accessible, or you could just notice width. Notice the width of your feet, knees, hips, allow your shoulders to unfurl, allowing that center to really be open. This is our connection to all things, really the connection to those that we love and care about. So when we stay open, we're vulnerable and that capacity for connection is there. So now again, notice in this more open space, do you feel fear? Do you feel comfort, calm? Whatever you're noticing, just take it in. It's just information. So again, breathing into that full length, breathing into that full width, we're now going to notice depth. So this is the front of self to back of self. If you're standing, you could even gently rock forward to back and notice what it's like to be off balance. You could put a hand on the front of you in the back to really feel your width. Again, you don't have to do any of that. The back of us is really where we come from. So for those of us with painful pasts, sometimes this part of us can be a little bit disconnected. 
or it can bring up some feelings. So just see if you can notice sensation in the back of the head, upper back, low back, maybe where the clothes touch the back of your legs. This is our wisdom. This could be the people who have your back. So noticing that, let's have you now come through the center of self all the way to the front. Continuing to breathe deeply, perhaps you can feel the sensation of breath on your face or where your clothes touch, chest, belly, front of legs. This is all that we are facing or that, what, that which we are moving towards. We don't wanna be over in the front, right? Or over in the back, we really wanna be centered. So again, span, expand into full length, full width, full depth, coming back to the belly, breathing deeply. Just notice the sensation. Notice where you're tight, numb, comfortable, and just be with that. And then if you've moved to a standing position, we'll have you come back and, and take a seat or shift into whatever. And if you like, this might be a moment, right, to explore what kind of came up to you. So actually for Juliana, I will ask you if you noticed, um, first of all, maybe any emotions or any body sensations, just even doing that practice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that word in English, but it's like my upper back and in this very center in my upper back, I always feel like tension, like I don't know. It's always like when I do this type of stuff and I actually strengthen, uh, I mean, go straight, more straight in on my chair. I always feel that. And yeah. And I also notice always avoiding touching my, uh, for example, belly. And if I do that, I like, I don't like it at all, but sometimes I'm able to do it. And sometimes today I, for example, I didn't do it. So those are things that now came to my mind. Yeah. Beautiful noticing. And so even just from that practice, we actually could begin to go into a place of exploration. Today I won't just because we have so much material to get yeah. through additional practices, but we can begin to even kind of, it might sound silly for those who have not done these types of practices before, but you could even blend with the belly, right? Or blend with the upper back and explore. What is this emotion? Are there beliefs, stories, history here, right? And that can begin to be the uncovering of some of these core beliefs. So that's just a little taster. Maybe another, another day we could go in deeper to that. But yeah. I would like to shift into talking more about why we're talking about core beliefs, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, please, please. I'm really excited to hear. Yeah. I think, you know, really what's unfortunate is that so much of our interactions are less what I would call kind of a linear Juliana and Lua are having a conversation right now and are really impacted by all the things that I'm coming into the room with, right? So my history, my prejudices, my life experience, that all impacts how I perceive, quite frankly, even whether your face is threatening or welcoming, right? And so the reason we're exploring these core beliefs is that as I can begin to understand 
what beliefs I have under the surface, it'll help me to understand better what's happening in this interaction and actually deal with the reality of that versus all of my stuff coming up. What I'm kind of describing is this concept of kind of pop culture calls it being triggered, right? And so that's one element of it. But another way to talk about it is kind of what's under the shadow, what Lou is not aware of, but is absolutely in the driver's seat of how I perceive what's happening. So let me maybe talk about some more concrete examples of what I mean, because that might all seem like what? Things are happening in my life and I'm not perceiving reality just based on reality. What is she talking about? (laughs) So the way that we learn about the world is based on these patterns of recognition, right? So even language, right? I've learned language by being in a home where people are speaking English, right? And so over time, I'm picking up information about how to speak, where to accent, right? Where to pause. You would never say to me, oh, Lua, you're such an idiot that you learned English growing up, right? You would never, that would never be my fault. And nor would I have any self-judgment around that. My parents raised me speaking English, kind of it is what it is. And so as we talk about these core beliefs, as we begin to notice negative beliefs in ourselves, to have any sense of it's my fault or shame around that is really silly, right? Because like learning English, we learn these core beliefs as we go. So I'm going to give some concrete examples. So what I'm talking about actually makes some sense. So as we are growing up, we have these caregivers, right? As mammals, we are raised to be in community. And as young children, we're really quite helpless. The way that we perceive reality is really by the attunement of a parent. So in examples where there's extreme abuse, it's pretty clear to see why a child might pick up distorted versions of reality. But I'm going to even talk about more subtle versions of that, because I think it's pretty clear in extreme situations. So I think it's more helpful to talk about the subtle, because that can help us understand how core beliefs form. So let's say as a child, right? I experience some distress. Um, I could be like two or three years old. Maybe I've um, fallen over. Maybe I was building a tower and my sibling knocks it over. Maybe I feel left out, right? Any form of what we would call a rational thing to be somewhat, to have feelings about, right? Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I'm sad. Maybe I'm lonely, right? Something of that sort. So an attuned caregiver would come in and see my distress And they would help me gain understanding about what I'm experiencing. Oh, it looks like you're really feeling sad or, oh, it looks like you're really frustrated, right? They would soothe me, kind of embrace me, hold me, attune. All of this is saying your emotions are okay. They're giving me language for my emotions. They're they're helping me ride that wave of the emotion and then come down and knowing, oh, I can handle these big emotions, right? And then ultimately we might come to some kind of problem solving, right? After all these very crucial steps occurred, then we come to this problem solving, which is maybe let's build a new tower or let's find some friends to play with, or, oh, I'm sorry you got hurt. Mama will soothe you, right? So what am I learning? I'm worthy of love, right? I'm learning it's safe to express my emotions, right? 
the world is helpful. People will come to my aid, right? These are positive core beliefs that all children should have, right? Well, let's put in the opposite, right? Let's put in that same scenario of the kid's tower got knocked over, they feel left out and they begin to cry. And a parent, maybe not even a horrible parent, maybe just a busy parent is like, ugh, you think that's really that big of a deal? You gotta get over it. You're too sensitive, right? So even, or, or maybe the parent just ignores them like, oh, so tired, you know, because maybe they're working too much or whatnot, not neglectful or evil parents, right? Um, or obviously it could get more extreme where the parents are name calling, you're so stupid or you're crybaby or even bringing physical violence into it. So I'm curious, Juliana, do you have a sense of what might be some core beliefs that begin to settle in I'm testing you, <laughs> but you, you don't have to have the right answer, right? This is, this is open. What do you think might be some of the core beliefs that might begin to start to settle for this child when they get negative information about having these experiences? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like they are the, some of them are the opposite of the positive ones that you just, before, before asking me this, you told, so it's not safe to express my emotions. And as a result, because I'm not, uh, because as a child, I'm actually very adaptive that I learned that, okay, it seems not to be safe to express my emotions. It means that I don't get the experience to ever express them, I suppress them or something. So I never learn, for example, write with them. Like, and that leads to believe I can't handle them. That can lead to emotional dysregulation in later adulthood and, or some other ways of dealing very, in a negative way. Uh, I mean, like engaging in, for example, maladaptive coping instead of healthy emotional regulation. And also I'm not, since my parent is being like, oh, wh why, why you are now crying? Or I can't, I like, I, I can't handle this right now. Oh, you are too much. I am too much to handle, or I'm not worthy or yes. Yeah. All of those things. Yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. And, and like you were alluding to, this is very adaptive because if every time I'm experiencing emotional distress, right? If I cry, or if I maybe, you know, yell, depending on the context, a child might respond in a variety of ways when they're in distress. Um, if frequently, or the majority of the time, my parent responds with ignoring me, with kind of belittling me or criticizing me or with violence, it is in my best interest to figure out a way to not do, not have that emotional response, right? And so if I begin to start telling myself, oh my God, you're, you're too much, you're so annoying, right? Or I begin to tell myself, you're not worthy of protection or love, right? That is adaptive at that moment because if I don't reach for your love and attention, if I don't reach, I don't have to experience the horrific suffering, right? Of reaching and being smacked away or reaching and being ignored, right? That's so much more painful than just staying contained. There we go. The formation of negative core beliefs. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And so we gave one example, right? But there are probably millions of different ways that this can show up. 
So now I want to talk about um, how this maybe negative core belief then impacts maybe Lua or Juliana, right? As we're in our adult life in the unseen way, right? Because if it's seen, we can navigate it. But if it's kind of in the shadows, then I'm in an interaction, not even perceiving. I don't love this, but here we go. Here's reality, right? I, I'm not trying to say to people that they're irrational or because <laughs> that sounds that's so pathological and that's not what I'm trying to say, right? Again, Lua speaks English because her parents taught her English, right? There's no shame that I'm coming through the world with core negative beliefs. Okay. So let's fast forward to today. So disclosure, one of the core negative beliefs that I've been working through is this kind of not good enough, right? And so let's say I'm a mother. My kids are now um, middle school and high school. But when they were babies, um, this didn't exactly happen, but versions of this would happen, right? So let's say I'm at the playground and there's another mother whose kids are similar age. Our kids are getting along. This is a neighborhood playground. This could potentially be someone to be a friend with, right? Someone who I could bond with and have community with. These are basic human needs, right? Um, so let's say we're chatting about our kids and whatnot. And I worked um, part-time and then some periods full-time while my kids were growing up. And let's say that she says something uh, like the sort of, oh, your kids go to daycare. Could be a neutral statement, right? But if I have this core belief, right? Not good enough. Even this neutrality can trigger, right? Oh my gosh, judgment especially if I've had other more direct negative interactions where people have been like, oh, I would never send my children to daycare, right? If I've had those. So now she's asking a neutral statement. Oh, your children go to daycare. She actually could be excited. I'm thinking of going back to work too. What daycare do you use, right? That could be where the conversation's going or she could be oh, judging me, right? We don't know, it's neutral. But in this moment, I might become activated right? And all that history of I'm not good enough gets flooded. So here could be this potential friend, but instead I see potential threat. I'm being judged. She sees me as not good enough, right? So what happens in that moment when my emotions are all up, right? Fight, flight, freeze, appease. So now I might get defensive. Well, not all of us can stay home, right? Or I might flee and just say, oh, look at the time. I got to go. And I bolt. Or I might freeze and just go inward and be kind of numb and flat, which isn't going to make me very attractive as a potential friend, <laughs> right? Or I might appease and get all like weird, whatever. The point is, is that I'm not in that moment, right? Because my core beliefs are in the shadow. I'm not aware of them, but they're triggered, right? And I'm perceiving her as a threat even though it was a neutral statement. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason it's so crucial for us to uncover what our core beliefs are is that we can walk through the world, seeing the world more as it is and not perceiving threat where there isn't threat. That's a pretty benign example. Um, but I want to give an example with a little bit more amped up intensity if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And 
those who maybe this activates them, we're going to do a practice after this to kind of help shake it off because my understanding is that really the context in which you are working to serve the world is in helping people in these toxic dynamics and interactions. And so I gave a neutral example, but I'd like to give an example with just a little bit more activation connected. (laughs) So one more way to think about the core beliefs. If you say something to me like, Lua, I know you murdered my mother, (laughs) right? That's not going to land. I'm going to be like, oh gosh, Julia, I'm so sorry that you're perceiving, like, I'm almost just going to immediately go into compassion for you and feeling kind of sorry for you that that's how you're perceiving the world, right? I don't even know about your mother or Lua, you're a part of the CIA and you're spying on me. I'm in your hit list or something, right? If it feels, or Lua, you're green, it could be whatever. If it doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. And I'm able to just stay emotionally regulated and calm, right? Or if you're some transient person in the street who I don't know, maybe you do call me some psycho witch, but again, I don't know you. I know you don't know me. And again, it doesn't land, right? The painful reality of these toxic relationships that we can get into and the dysfunctional dynamics and interactions is that people say things that land because it's our core belief, right? So if you and I are partnered Let's go back to the example that we talked about of the child and their emotions are too much, right? Or annoying or worthy of being kind of ignored or abandoned. So let's say you and I are partnered and I'm bringing a concern to you, right? It doesn't really matter what the concern is. And then you say something like, oh, you always do this. You make everything a bigger deal than it is. Now, perhaps what you did to hurt me actually was a big deal, right? Like, especially when we're talking about more abusive relationships, perhaps you have hurt me and I'm trying to be brave and say, Juliana, this really hurt me when, right? And we could say kind of gaslighting, you're going to go into this place of, oh my God, you always make such a big deal out of things that aren't a big deal. That's not even what happened, right? So I have this core belief present in me. And so unlike the CIA example, right? Or that I'm green where I can be like, honey, (laughs) like that is your stuff. Not about me. My complaints legitimate. I'm in and you've hooked me. Right? So this is the part I want to say very slowly and carefully on some level, we become complicit in the dynamic because our core belief is activated. Now, again, I want to say this really carefully. That does not mean it is our fault if we are being abused. We were trained to participate in these types of dynamics. We were trained to feel like they are comfortable and normal. So that it is happening is not our fault. Okay. So I want to be very clear about that point. And It's landing because on some level we're letting it land, right? Because it's activating our core belief. So you say to me, oh, you always do this. We're making it bigger. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's right. I'm so dramatic. I'm too much. She's going to leave me, right? I'm not worthy. And so then that impacts how we continue to relate, right? Because if I am fearful you're going to leave or all these things, I am going to now collapse 
and not continue with my complaint. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And I'm sure that many of us can relate, like, at least me, I, I could immediately like relate to like many, many uh, kind of ident identify those type of situations. Right. And so what's really exciting about this self-discovery is that instead of being kind of stuck in this place of I am being victimized, which is a true statement, right? When someone is, a, is hurting us and harming us, there is an element of victimization occurring there. The dangerous part of that is kind of the, the helplessness. Now, I want to, again, put in a caveat. There are extreme cases where we are just straight up being victimized, right? I, I'm being threatened that my children are going to be taken away from me or I'm being my life is being threatened. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these more subtle versions where we go into, there's nothing I can do. Proof I'm not good enough, right? Like all these intense feelings because we're seeing it bigger than it is. And so when we identify what core beliefs are present, we can begin to soothe those, which then gives us the power to move forward and make different decisions and live in the world in a different way. So we don't have to be kind of the victim of these abusive contexts in which we're in. Is that making sense or do I need to clarify anything or what are you hearing? Uh, yeah, I think that makes a perfect sense. And it also yeah, it really gives, at least for me, the sense of hope. Oh, just if I, if I just, I'm able to identify my core beliefs and become aware of them, even though in the past they have been more in the shadow, or I mean, like I haven't been aware of them, I can gain some control over my reactions. And instead of reacting, I can respond or be more conscious and choose like self-soothing and that can you know re really help because i feel like when we are very reactive because we are not aware of our core beliefs that also feeds into this sense of helplessness and when you are in a very help and you feel helpless because you feel like you can't control yourself or stuff just kind of happens to you externally things affect your internal state that really makes you feel helpless and at least for me when if i feel helpless I, it's paralyzing almost, like it's really hard to take action, <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's really hard for us to actually soothe the wound, oh. right? Because in that moment, if you and I were in healthy partnership and um, I come to you with a concern, that could actually be a healing moment. Right. Because unlike the, the caregiver who was not attuned before and made me feel like my emotions were bad, if you and I were in a healthy relationship, I could come to you and say, Juliana, I was really hurt when. And you can say, oh, my goodness. Right. I hear you. I see you. This is what you're experiencing. That's fair. I care about you. Right. And then all of that, which is super crucial, the attunement part which we often skip because we love to go to problem solving. But after all those very important steps occur, then you and I might go into problem solving. What might we do in the future to not have this same injury occur again? Right? So often when we hurt people, I'm like, okay, okay, fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, you, what, what am I supposed to do? Right? That's not an apology. That's problem. You know, that's fix it mode. And it actually doesn't make anyone feel good. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
So we were talking about some stuff that might've been activating. So before we go into practicing ways to explore and uncover some of our core beliefs, I wanted to do a practice maybe to bring us back down a little bit. So this time I'm actually going to encourage, I'm going to invite folks who want to participate in the practice um, to close their eyes and just really to go inside and notice where is your stress level now, right? Does it feel like it's at a low, a medium or a high? And depending on the context of where you are, so I am sitting in my home, it's a beautiful day, I'm speaking to a lovely person. So in this moment, my stress level doesn't really need to be that high, right? But maybe some of our listeners are not in that context in this moment. So maybe a high level of stress is appropriate. So I just wanna welcome in that as well. But just notice where your level of stress is at. And if it feels like it's a smidge too high or definitely too high, Let's try to do some things to see if we can't bring it down to the appropriate amount of stress for this moment. So we're going to do a few practices. And again, you have to be the scientist of your own life, meaning you have to listen to your own internal wisdom of what works and what doesn't work. So we're going to start with just some deep breaths. Really filling up the body with breath. Some techniques are to count in really slow, hold, and breathe out. Some techniques include right breathing in and then releasing the air like you're blowing out of a straw. But again, these may actually increase your stress. So just notice that without judgment and then shift. We're going to try a couple others. So one is actually a little bit of bouncing. So I want you to, if you're seated, like almost like you're sitting on a yoga ball, you kind of bounce up and down, bouncing a little bit and see if that kind of shakes out whatever stress is still in your body. Maybe that increases your stress. So just notice that and stop. Another option is kind of to shake, move the legs, move the arms and kind of shake the limbs a little bit and see if you can shake that stress out. So those are three different things you can try. Some might be helpful and they all may not be helpful. And that is okay. That's good information for you. So I want to ask you, Juliana, if you are able to notice where your stress level was, if you were able to do any of the practices and if it shifted. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I think uh, it was at the first number that came to my mind was four. Then what really has helped me and helps me is um, breathing. And then, well, you said bouncing, but instead of that, I like kind of, I usually do this swinging or rocking movement. So mm -hmm. that's like, then I noticed the shift into three. But anyways, I feel like, like at least for me, stress levels like three isn't, that's very nice, nice level. So, uh, but yeah, that was so first four, then I, you said that uh, breathing and the movement. So then I feel like two, three. Yeah. Lovely noticing. Very good. So I want to ask one more question mm -hmm. and not as a judgment, but just as a really increasing our self knowledge and wisdom. So how did you know that that was helpful? the breathing and the rocking? 
what signs, signals, awarenesses helped you know, yeah, that did help bring that number down? It has to do something with the breathing uh, that came to my mind first. I feel like uh, it, I, I feel lighter in my chest and also the back of my <laughs> back of, yeah, my back. Like uh, I said before that it feels like there is tension, but every time I breathe, it almost like breathes more room there. So I think those oh. are, yeah, I, I would say that, yeah. Beautiful. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So for people who aren't as aware of their body, you clearly are very aware of your system and all of that. But and that's why I wanted to ask you to give them a sense of what does that even mean? How do I know it's helpful or not helpful? Right. Many of us have had to learn to detach from ourselves. So this is exactly what we're talking about. My chest feels lighter. Right. My shoulders kind of came down my jaw. Right. My feet are on the ground, whatever. So good. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to jump into a practice to explore some of these core beliefs that are in the shadows, not helping. <laughs> Again, they were helpful at a point in our lives, but now they're sabotaging and not as helpful. Uh, and then I want to do one more invitation. If there is any listener who has an extensive trauma history and is not currently working with a therapist or... Um, yeah, they just haven't done much exploration on their history. This might be one to sit out, <laughs> right? Because one of the analogies I give when we have a trauma history is it's kind of like a basement full of garbage. And, you know, we're living in the house above. And so we smell it from time to time, but we can kind of keep it a bit disconnected beneath us. Uh, and the practice we're about to do is opening a door <laughs> to that basement. And if you've never looked in that basement before and you haven't done some work of kind of taking one box out at a time, which is what therapy is, one box, right? Recycle, throw away and keep the one gem. If you open up that door, you might be overwhelmed with the magnitude and extent. So I would like to invite those folks who have a, you know, know they have a large trauma history, have not done much work on it, to just sit this one out and you can just listen <laughs> and not do it. Next, Lua will guide us step-by-step step through a practice that helps us identify, explore, and ultimately soothe and understand our negative core beliefs. Lua will be asking me a series of questions and leading me through various steps. As she does this, I encourage you to imagine Lua asking you these questions directly, or you can ask them yourself. This approach will help you gain the most benefit from the practice. There will be long pauses during this guided session, but I hope you can use those moments to reflect deeply on your situation and explore your experiences and core beliefs. Now, let's return to the episode and allow Lua to lead us in this practice. So again, everything is about consent, right? And really being in choice. So I am going to ask you for some content in your life currently that brings you, you just notice you have some reactivity around it, some emotional, ugh, some ick, right? And maybe there's some ruminating on it. This is how you know it's kind of bothering you or you just can't figure out what you're supposed to do, right? Um, and again, you actually don't have to tell me very many details. So you can keep the who, the what, all of that to a minimum. So you can kind of keep your confidentiality or you can share because I'm really open 
to either. I just want you to feel safe in this context. So if maybe you already have something that's like top of mind, or maybe you need a minute to kind of figure out what is something that's just <clears throat> lately. Um, well, what brings up emotional reaction or might start that I notice that I, if I don't stop myself and if I'm not aware and in present moment that can <laughs> throw me in a limbo of rumination is for some reason, um, somebody leaving their room and closing the door without <laughs> kind of saying, saying or informing me or like it could, it's usually it's very, I mean, it's always usually very neutral thing and it doesn't mean anything. But sometimes it uh, might make me ruminate, like why, nice why they, why so they do that? Yeah, right. So I'm gonna have you pause there, and go ahead, and you can close your eyes or you can stare at one spot because I don't want you to worry about eye contact or kind of taking care of me at all. So okay. I want you to go inward, and I want you to either kind of scan through a recent event of this, or it could be an imagined event of this. Scan through it, kind of moment by moment, and see if you can't pick out what feels like the worst moment, what symbolizes the worst of it? Uh, the sound of the door. Nice noticing. Okay, we're gonna go right into the practice then. So staying with that sound of the door, the first thing I want you to notice is where are you feeling this in your body? In my throat. Beautiful. What is the emotion that feels present? I don't know is also an answer. So don't ever feel like you have to. It's like, I would say fear. Is that, yeah, I just need yeah. to make sure. Is that, isn't that emotion, fear? Yeah, that works. Yeah. That works. Yeah. I am not here for semantics, right? Like whatever language we use, oh. <laughs> I feel like a frog and that would be a fine emotion, right? So, so let yourself feel free to just use what words come up. Um, okay. So just so I have a sense kind of really blend with this throat and the fear a little bit, how intense is it right now? Zero to 10. Right now, the intensity is, uh, I, I would say five. Okay. So without thinking about it, just the first thing that comes to your mind, what is the first negative thought or belief? And it doesn't have to make sense. Just let yourself speak out whatever comes to mind first. That I deserve it. I deserve it. Yeah. Does that feel? I mean, you came right up with it. So just for the listener at home, I want to give some examples of where, what might come up that's not as clean. Like you just came, I know what this is, <laughs> right? But some of us might feel like, oh gosh, uh, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm really afraid. Um, maybe someone's gonna come in and hurt me or, right? So there's, there's three primary categories, right? Or someone might come up and be like, um, might come up with, oh, nobody, of course people are leaving me because I'm not, you know, like, they don't want to be around me or it may not be as clear. So there's three primary categories of negative core beliefs. One is this element of safety, right? Which is kind of, I'm in danger. I'm going to die. Something bad is about to happen, 
right? So that has its own kind of flavor, the safety. The middle category is really this element of powerlessness, helplessness. Um, so this might be, right, something like, I can't handle it. I'm out of control. There's nothing I can do. Um, I'm powerless. I'm helpless, right? So that's kind of the middle category. And then the final is this area of personal responsibility. Like, this is about me. I'm not good enough. It's my fault. I deserve it, right? So these are, that's that final category. So anyone at home who's doing this practice with us, perhaps they were able to find the worst, perhaps they were able to find the body sensation, the emotion. Now this negative belief is going to be in one of those three categories, right? Likely. And it may not come as clear and you can always look that up online on what are the core negative beliefs and it'll give you some ideas. You could even read through, through those and if any of them make your body respond. Okay. So I know I got us out of it a little bit, but I'm wondering, would it be okay if we keep exploring this a little bit further? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. So I'm going to have you go back inward, rather closing your eyes, staring at one spot. And again, you're going to look and notice, right, the sound of the door closing. See if that's still in the throat. If you feel fear there. Yeah, it's always like uh, throat and chest. Yeah. Is there any other thoughts or beliefs coming up as you look at it again? Or is it still kind of, I don't deserve it? Or I, sorry, I deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think it, well, it's my fault, but I guess that's the same category as the first one, maybe. I the language know. though is very important. So it's my fault, okay. Good. Nice noticing. Take it just a few more moments and see if there's any other language that feels linked with it. If that's, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But I just want to always give space. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's so like, well, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm alone, I guess. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Nice noticing. Okay. So now we're going to have you kind of almost go into what we call like a meditative state. So it's going to be, you're going to keep your eyes closed, really notice that sensation in the body, right? The chest, the throat, notice that fear, notice this aloneness, these negative beliefs, and I want you, it's like, you're just kind of like sitting on a train, you know, watching as whatever goes by, goes by, or you're kind of like looking at a screen and whatever comes up. So don't judge yourself. We want you to see if you can float back to the earliest, the first time you ever remember experiencing something sim similar. It doesn't have to make sense. You could literally be sitting in the car, right? Or at the playground. So don't judge yourself. And as soon as some images come up, again, you don't have to share what you don't feel comfortable sharing. But what are you noticing? Uh, for some reason, what came to my mind was when I was, I think I was five or six 
and then I had to ask I had to I was with my little sister who is uh, two years younger and we were at the shopping center and our mom left to left to do something and we you know stayed and waited for her and then she said I need to pee <laughs> and I, w I got very stressed out because I was like I don't know where is a where is a bathroom in 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 a shopping center and uh, then I just tried to say to her like if you can just hold it a little bit because she's gonna come back very soon just hold it hold it but well you know kids they usually say I need to pee and it's like you need to pee now right now <laughs> it's not like I can hold like 30 minutes so then I I uh, remember I was just like I don't, yeah very anxious about it but then I noticed um uh, uh, a shop like how do you call it? it's a pet shop like they, that shop sells pet stuff and they sell like I don't know I don't you know rabbits and you know all that so somehow because that was like okay that shop might be the most likely to help because they take care of pets that was my <laughs> I feel like that was like it, it was like uh, like uh, welcoming in a way like out of all the other shops yeah. that were there so I remember I went there and I asked the person there that could could my little sister please pee there and she was like yeah if I was five or six she was like three years old and then they were like yeah of course and then it ended up great but I remember we were in the toilet and she was just sitting on the toilet and I was so like relieved but still I feel felt embarrassed and very anxious about the whole thing I don't know why but like it it wasn't ah. yeah <laughs> that came to yeah, my that mind yeah Perfect. So let's have you go back into the memory and kind of scan through being this five-year-old girl, right? Having to do this very big thing, solve this very big problem. Does it feel connected? Do you feel it kind of similarly in the throat, the chest? That is the fear similar, the kind of, I deserve it. It's my fault. Or does it not? It doesn't, don't judge yourself. Okay. <laughs> does it feel connected? Mm, the first two two don't like the I deserve it and it's my fault that doesn't unless I was afraid that if I wasn't able to solve it and then let's say if she did pee on her pants then maybe then I could but that didn't happen but like any, but I don't know if I was avoiding that to be happen but I'm a five years old so I don't <laughs> really uh yeah uh think like that as of a five-year-old but uh maybe the most that comes to my mind well maybe that could be the um... the fear probably feels similar the kind of i'm alone yeah similar. that one the third <laughs> one yeah that one little it's bit intense feeling of right because that category is this intense feeling of responsibility right like oh. i have to figure this out this is on me Right. And as we look at a five-year-old, if we went up to a five-year-old and they're like, oh, I have to be the good big sister and I have to figure this out. Like we would say, oh, honey, it's okay. Right. That you feel afraid in this moment, or this is a big thing for a five-year-old to face. Right. And actually we would give her big praise, right. For, for solving it. Cause actually she was successful in solving it. Um, but in that moment, she felt a heightened sense of responsibility. Now, I don't know that that is a fair level of responsibility for a five-year-old, right? To feel like I have to solve this really big, urgent problem, right? So it seems like it might be linked there. 
As you look at that memory though, I'm curious zero to 10, if you have any emotional distress around it or if it feels more neutral. Like right now, are you right now yeah, asking? Look back at being that five-year-old. Um, I don't know about emotional stress, but uh, yeah, I noticed that as I was trying to, as I started to speak about it to you, like uh, I feel like my voice went a little, I don't know how to, what's the word, but. Yeah, like wavered a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, and that my, my heartbeat is, is a little bit more than usual. And I'm under the table, I'm like doing <laughs> with my hands, and, so you can't see. Yeah. And okay, perfect. Yeah. This is this is a great one for us to work with then. Okay. So now we're going to go a step further. So the audience, the people who are listening may or may not have been able to get something so clearly. So later I'll talk about different, but I want to keep it fresh while it's fresh for you. So for other people who found a similar, were able to link with a young memory, they can continue on. For others that were not able to link with a young memory, I'll come back to them. <laughs> So for you, I want you again to close your eyes and I want adult present day you, right? With all the knowledge, wisdom, awareness that you have, I want you to go and look at this little five-year-old girl and the first question is, I'm just curious if you can see her and access her, if you can't, no shame, but if you can see her, how do you feel about her? Um, sad. Yeah. Can you just stay with that sadness for a little bit and breathe into it and notice it? If it's overwhelming, we'll shift. And so please, at every moment, you begin to tell me if this feels too overwhelming. Yeah. But just stay with the sadness for a moment. And then I want you to look at her again. And if you can attune to her, so right, attuning is really looking at her and assessing what is it that she might need right now. And so, you know, normally I would just stay silent in this moment if you and I were just together, but because we have listeners, I want to give people examples of what I mean by that. So when we attune right to a young child, we're typically figuring out, do they need soothing, right? So that's to be held or comforted in some way, or they need to be heard and listened to. And to be able to tell how hard this thing is that they're going through. And sometimes there's other things, but the three primary ones that come up is they just need to get out of there, right? They need us to swoop them up and get them to a playground, a park, in the car, wherever. So go in now, Juliana, and I want you to really look at this little girl and see if you can attune and assess what is it that she needs right now. So I just tell or do I? Yes, yeah, so speak yeah. it out if you. Uh, for some reason, the word that came to my mind first was like direction, help in a way, like direction in that way. Yeah, that someone can tell me yeah. what to do. Beautiful, beautiful job. So now let's have adult present day. You go in and go up, and maybe you kneel down and get close to her on her level, right? And can you direct her? Can you help her? What would you say? What would you do? Stay in the mind's eye with the little girl. How would you help? Well, I would 
Um, I guess I would just say that um, it's okay if you don't know. So don't, because that's actually also always a legitimate answer. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit that because at the same time feeling like, yeah, of course, you are supposed to help your little sister when she is needing help and like that. But then at the same time, I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what I would say to her actually. Yeah. Some of the first thoughts that come to my mind, it doesn't mean that they're right right? So you have to decide what really lands and feels right for me. But some of the first thoughts I have is that I would go and I would attune and say, Oh, right. Cause let's say, you know, what's happening. Oh gosh, you seem scared. And maybe this seems really big, how to take care of your sister. And I love that you have such a desire to understand right, what's happening with her and to want to solve it. So maybe let's go find a bathroom together. Would that be good if we go and, and we go and find a bathroom together? Right. So you're attuning, helping her figure out what's happening for her. You're normalizing it. Right. You're not weird or bad that you're feeling scared in this moment that your sister has to use the bathroom. Right. That that's a normal thing for a five year old to feel overwhelmed and afraid by, oh, my gosh, mom just left. And this is all in my hands and I have to solve this really big problem. Right. Like what's happening? It's on me. Right. So kind of responding to her. I love that you care so much for your sister. It seems like you're afraid and scared. That's okay. That makes sense. Do you need help figuring out how to move forward in this moment? Does that make sense? Yeah. So just go in and see if that's what the little girl wants. Yeah. Yeah. That actually was one thing that came to my mind first, but then I was like, is that weird thing to say <laughs> but for some reason? Yeah. So it lands very well. What you just said lands very well. Right. Because it's, I mean, it's really quite simple, right? <laughs> What's needed. And this is quite frankly, most of our human needs are actually pretty simple, right? They're about being seen. We long all of us to be seen. And so in that moment, not because, you know, I'm not alluding to any abuse or neglect here. This is a, a perfect example because it's very subtle, right? But in that moment, in the intensity of what she was experienced, she didn't feel seen and understood and it felt too big for her little capacity, right? And so validating, it's okay that you're scared and, and we can find a way to solve this. So for the little girl, again, do not be ashamed of what your answer is, okay? But for the little girl, was it easy so so or hard to respond to her in that way with compassion right with attuning with uh yeah but for some reason i feel like very def defensive in a way but uh are you asking like what the how oh you feel defensive can we can we pause <laughs> and have you explore that for a moment what are you noticing what language your thoughts are coming up that uh you know i i don't need that she can do it without like she did it already so found the bathroom 
Yeah. I don't need anyone to validate that that was hard. I figured it out. Yeah, and it's uh, anyways like unnecessary. Like there's many others who need more validation. Okay, are you hearing? I don't need that. Others need it more. That's my language there. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, I I don't have quite the language that you use, but it was just kind of like others need it more than me. Yeah, it's somehow like uh, I I feel victimizing myself if I feel like I would actually say that, oh, yeah, actually, I need that and I would want that. But then I feel like I'm victimizing myself if I say that. Here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is the shadow core belief. The, the front, the, the top core belief is right. It's my fault. Mm -hmm. I deserve it. The core belief underneath is I don't need, right? Like that's, that's protecting you in some way. Mm, yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, because now that you said it that way, I can see it often, uh, like I can see it in my present uh, interactions with people that it can come, come up in different ways, like being defensive or feeling like, uh, like not listening, because I think I know better, or, you know, in, in that way. And right. And so if we fast forward the sound of the door, right? Someone leaves mm. and the fear comes up. The present need is probably similar to say something like I would say to self, Lua, it's okay that you're feeling fearful. They might've just gone to the bathroom and it is okay that you're feeling unsettled and nervous or afraid about what just happened. Right? Like that is what the system is needing to be attuned to. But it seems like there might be a core negative belief underneath kind of this, like, like the personal responsibility is almost like I have to handle this all on my own, right? Like I have to be a big girl and not need others, right? No one's going to help me anyways. I need to figure this out. If I need it, that, what does that say about me? What am I weak? Am I a, a baby? Right? Because even for the five-year-old, there's a party that's like, I don't need <laughs> any attuning connection or sense of belonging around my fear I can handle it on my own yeah yeah that makes sense so then in that awareness as we begin to feel distress in our interactions as we become familiar right because we did one small practice on one small thing mm -hmm. every moment we begin to feel distressed we can do this practice and, you know, I think actually, if we were short in it, it could have taken like five minutes, right? Yeah. Where am I feeling this in my body? What are the emotions? What are the first negative beliefs that come up? Now that would actually be enough. Like I said, I would give an example for the person who didn't have an earlier thing, just that alone, having that core belief, you then can take that and you could just soothe that. Or if you're unable to do it yourself, because you think, um, if it just feels true, right? Like it's my fault. I deserve this. That's all that, or it's unsafe. You know, they just yelled at me. I feel like I'm about to die. That's a legitimate way to feel. If someone yelled at you, wouldn't you feel like you were about to die? That may just feel true. So then I can take that negative belief and I could go to someone else and say, Hey, this interaction just happened. And this is my belief that's coming up. And then the other person helps to soothe it and be like, I don't know that I would feel that way. Right. 
I understand why you feel that way. Right. So even just the negative belief, only having present material, we can soothe it, although it is harder. I'll be honest. If we, though, are able to bring to an earlier memory, such as we did today, we then can attune to that younger self. The reason we do that is for most of us, it is significantly easier to respond to a child, right? To feel compassion for that child who is lost and scared than for the adult Lua. Because the adult Lua, it's like, girl, get your, get your stuff together. This is not that big of a deal, right? But when I look at a five-year-old, I might have more compassion. Like, I can see how this is hard. And that same level of compassion that I would bring to the five-year-old, I can then bring to adult self. Now, I am speaking very quickly about things that take years of practice and growing, right? So I want to be very clear. You don't do this practice and then whoop, the basement's clean. Like, that's not how this works. This is taking out one small box and beginning to unpack it, right? Hey, I hope you are enjoying this episode right now. If you didn't know this already, our mission here at Unfiltered is to help people who have experienced narcissistic abuse understand the abuse they have experienced, support them through their healing journey, and to help them develop healthy relationships. We want to help as many people as possible, but the only way we can reach everyone is if you choose to share this episode. So if you have been getting value from our content, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with others. You could do this by sharing it with your online support groups, sending it to someone dealing with a narcissist, or even leaving a review. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the episode. So now I want to move into a little bit more of the somatic approaches. Mm -hmm. And because I want this to expand to the larger audience, I'm going to use the three different categories of safety, right? Powerless helplessness, and then kind of it's the my fault responsibility. So how I might soothe for each of those, again, recognizing what we have all these faculties, right? Our our body sensations, emotions, thoughts, some are going to work, some aren't. So use your deep wisdom, right? And don't say, well, Lewis said it, so... I got to do it, right? That's not how this works. Okay. So we're going to stick first with your example. So what I would ask you to do, and we can do it for just a, a few minutes right now, is to go back into that memory of looking at adult present day you, looking at the little girl, maybe noticing some of the defensiveness, or maybe the defensiveness has softened and see if adult you feels like you're able to kind of go in now and say, it really makes sense that you were afraid. This was a big thing. Mm -hmm. That feels more accessible now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the primary ways that we can begin to soothe some of these negative beliefs is actually just to hold that little one or just to listen to that little one, right? Or to maybe offer some solutions, right? Get them out of there, help them solve. Some people don't have memories that come up that worked out well, like yours did, right? Mm. Their memory ended up in things not going well, right? Like maybe you didn't find the bathroom, your sister peed your pants, mom came back, yelled at you, there was all the embarrassment. Like then we might kind of work to change what happened and say, well, adult me is here now and I wouldn't let that happen. Even if your sister peed the pants, I would say, whoops, we'll clean it up. No big deal. Right. And you respond to her in a loving way. 
So you could pair, I'll, I wanna bring some body practices into that soothing thing that we were talking about. You could pair responding to this little girl with, with what we call havening, kind of starting at the top of the shoulders and then rubbing down the arms with some pressure. And again, you know, you can close the eyes and really imagine holding that little one and noticing that sensation again with your internal wisdom. This might feel good. It may not. Because the other option is to do it on your lap. So to start at the top of your thighs and go down to the knees and notice that sensation. Does that feel good? And really just holding in the mind's eye, holding this younger self in this difficult situation, telling her what she needs to hear. It's not your fault. You don't have to go through this alone. You're good, lovable, whatever they need to hear. So that's one. And that's for the category of responsibility. It's my fault. So it. let's say you come when you do your core belief Instead, what comes up is this felt sense of I'm out of control, right? Or, or there's nothing I can do, this powerlessness that comes up, right? So in that moment, I probably would move into a place of actually embodied power, right? So I actually would encourage probably some movement. So that might include kind of shaking the arms out. That might include that kind of stretching the body out as we were doing before with the standing practice. Um, and really feeling your feet rooted to the ground. You could even do a practice where, well, I'm gonna show it on here where it's not full, where you do like a squat. So you even like kind of have your feet rooted to the earth and your back is leaning up against the wall. What this does is it brings a lot of energy into the legs. It's basically like an exercise you could say, and it will um, increase that felt sense of being in power, right? In the legs, maybe. Again, everyone needs to be in choice. If it's not feeling good, stop, <laughs> right? Um, and so those are a couple somatic interventions. If what came up for you was this felt sense of not having power, again, you could also go to a friend, tell them a bit of the context, tell them your core belief and say, oh, I just feel like there's nothing I could do. This would be a need a friend who would have to be able to first validate you. I'm so sorry, that feels hard. And then move into a place of, would it be helpful if we explored some of the places in your life where you do have power, right? To help remind them of where they have power. And then the final one is this sense of safety. Um, like all of them, this one is tricky because real safety doesn't quite exist for many people for a lot of reasons. Um, but maybe we can have momentary safety, right? Um, like with the example of the sound of the door, let's say what came up is I'm going to die, right? Maybe you would do similarly a grounding technique and ask yourself, am I safe now, right? Can I keep myself safe just in this moment? Maybe I'm not, maybe if you're in an abusive relationship, you're not actually really safe on the daily, daily all the time, but maybe in this moment with the door closed alone, you are safe. And can you move into a little bit of that felt sense of safety? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Thank you for explaining. Yeah, so these are just a few different ways that we respond. And then, of course, in addition, if you know what your core beliefs are and you're struggling with them, uh, you can, of course, seek out therapy, right? Or just continue, even just continuing to be aware of them slows us down. Because as you and I are having an interaction, like I was saying with the playground, if you're like, your children go to daycare. And I come up with, oh, she's judging me. She thinks I'm a bad mom. 
if I know my core beliefs, I can say, okay, Lua, pause, right? Breathe into that, get curious. And then I might continue the interaction, pausing my fight, flight, freeze, appease for a moment to get curious with you. And then if you turn out to be a jerk who's judging me, <laughs> then I can move away, right? Or if you turn to the, you know, loving, accepting, I can move towards, right? In a more seeing reality type way. And then, you know, with that kind of holding of creativity, or sorry, that holding of curiosity, then probably more information will come out. You might start to be more clearly rude, and I'm going to start to experience more pain, or you're going to clearly be more kind, and I'm going to start to experience more kind of joy, right? Kind of these two energies of joy or pain, and then move towards, move away. Like I'm going to make then a more clear decision based on more information. So I love this stay open for a moment longer until more information comes in. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So of course we could talk for hours about all of this because it is, I mean, we talked about, they say the tip of the iceberg, we talked about just a little bit of it, but it's meant to be a place just for people to begin the exploration of these core beliefs that are running their lives without them even being aware. And some simple little techniques to maybe begin to lessen them. I hope you enjoyed that episode and perhaps you are going to listen to it a couple more times if you found the insights shared by Lua interesting. Before I let you go, I would like to invite you to join our free community. My team and I send out free courses and healing exercises every week. In fact, we already have a course about developing positive core beliefs with insights from Veronica Vaidi. We also host life therapist-led Q&A sessions every month that are 100% free. To join, please click the link in the podcast notes or visit unfiltered.net slash community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.